Welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and I'm joined this week by my co-host, Jay Shabat, to discuss Norwegian Air's deal for Widerow and JetBlue's decision to end its alliance with American Airlines. Enjoy. Hey, Jay, how are you doing this July 4th week? Good, Ned. How are you? How are things in uh, Washington? <laughs> Trying to stay cool. Uh, for those who who aren't, aren't in the U.S., it's been a very hot week. Actually, globally, I saw that it was the hottest week on average, hottest July 4th on average around the world. So it's uh, we're definitely feeling the heat here in D.C. and just trying to stay cool. Yes, yeah, certainly out here in New Jersey as well. Oh yeah, so that's what it's a good reason that we're uh, we're we're flying figuratively up to Norway, where Norwegian Air has announced a deal to buy regional Widero for about 105 million, in, uh, in a deal that really uh, you know makes them a much stronger competitive proposition against SAS, the the leader in the Nordics. This strikes me as a, a really smart deal and uh, one that strategically is gonna could potentially pay off big big time for. For Norwegian, Norwegian was a carrier that really couldn't get out of its own way for many years. It was just recklessly ambitious, and I say that's almost being charitable. I mean, they were <laughs> off starting airlines in Argentina for crying out loud, flying seven thirty seven Maxes to Stuart, New York, from you know <laughs> what was it like Cork or something? <laughs> like, yeah, it was it was all recklessly, sorts of wild, yeah, yeah, wild network planning, uh, excessive aircraft ordering, et cetera. And they uh, they really, they went through bankruptcy during the pandemic. And everything they've really done since emerging from bankruptcy has been rather impressive. Uh, they're, you know, they're still, um, they, they made decent money last summer. Uh, they still have that seasonal problem, which was something that Nor- Nordic Airlines and you know, Northern Hemisphere uh, air, or, or I should say airlines in, in very far north geographies. Tend I was going to say SAS also has a seasonal problem. You see that at, you know, yeah, exactly. It, it, air airlines Canada with, does. Yeah, Iceland yeah, Air. Iceland Air does, correct. So Finnair. So that's um, that's something they're still dealing with. They did lose money in the first quarter of this year. Uh, and uh, But they're addressing that. And I think this Weedero deal actually helps with seasonality because Weedero is going to provide a lot of new business traffic. And Weedero... Is uh, they they have about twenty percent of the Norwegian market, and Norway actually punches above its weight in terms of its uh, uh, its air, airline industry. It's um, you know it is it is a wealthyish economy. It has a lot of oil. That's the big industry yep. there, um, and that's you know creates a lot of wealth that people can you know have for, translates to disposable income that people can use for travel, and it's also. A country that's very mountainous. It's uh, you know has a lot of unforgiving geography, makes it difficult to travel over land. A lot of cities that are spread out across very long distances. Some of them, you know, it's, it's very not a, far yeah. up north. It's not a country with high speed rail like other places in Europe. So you don't yep. have a strong rail sector that can take domestic traffic. So because ground transportation is difficult, it makes traveling by air all the more necessary. So. Norwegian, this regional airline, flies mostly propeller planes. It's uh, it's got twenty percent of that market, and a lot of that market is uh, you know pretty high yield business travel. Some of it is uh, you know government contracts. So so Norwegian is going in, and you know traditionally, a low cost carrier might shy away from something like that because it's you know adds complication, and you know it's uh, cre- yeah creates a new fleet type and 
It adds uh, complexity it, to a business that defines itself on being simple and streamlined, essentially. Yes. Yes. But I think in this case, it makes total sense because there's only so much that simple business, you know, it's only so far that simple business is going to take you uh, in a very, very highly competitive European, you know, airline market. And, so and if they can, yeah. Yeah. As I say, and let's not forget Norwegian air CEO, uh, Geir Carlson has said at the airline wants to be the preferred carrier in the Nordic region. And to do that, they have to have more breadth than, you know, wherever they can fly their simple streamlined business model. And so, you know, to everything you said, Widero, they've said will stay as a separate brand, which I think is a very prudent decision given Widero name has 90 years of history in Norway and is, is widely regarded and it'll be a separate business. So they can focus on the, the low cost airline as one business segment completely separate from the regional and the regional will almost by definition have higher costs but what i see here is they're betting that the revenue lift from widero will more than outweigh the additional costs to the business yep and, and it all seems very smart to me and on top of all this it does uh put additional pressure onto sas which is in bankruptcy right now trying to restructure and frankly, not doing a very good job of uh, getting its profits up. I mean, it's their their last quarterly results pretty lousy. Um, and they uh, remember Norwegian went into bankruptcy very early on in the pandemic, when the aircraft market was very depressed. So they can go in to they could they could basically call up their lessors and say, hey, you know, give us a better deal. And the lessors really had not too much choice. They either gave them a better deal or took back an aircraft that wasn't going to find any new homes during the middle of a global pandemic. Now it's much more difficult. SAS is trying to do that same sort of aircraft restructuring at a time when aircraft are an extremely hot, you know, it's an extremely hot demand. So we see airlines, are, you know, I mean, like Indigo's order was for deliveries from 2030, where, you know, airlines are ordering planes seven years out right now because there's, there aren't delivery slots. It's, I mean, it is growth, but they're basically securing delivery slots dec- years in the future because planes are in such short supply. Sorry, I, I go off on a tangent there. No, no, you're making good points there. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, all that, you can imagine the, what that conversation sounds like, you know, SAS picks up, picks up the phone, calls a lessor and say, hey, if you don't give us a better deal, we're going to walk away from this lease. You're going to have to take the plane back. And the lessor replies, sure, <laughs> we'll take it. We'll, 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 we can find a new home for that uh, probably in 24 hours. In this kind of market, so that that does that's making it difficult for SAS. They have done some restructuring deals. I mean, I think they're 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 making. I don't want to minimize the efforts that they've you know they they've they've made they've made some progress, but very very tough market for them. And we won't go too much into SAS's business model, but it is a, a very uh, it's almost inherent inherently dysfunctional. Their network is split across three subscale hubs, and we may have talked about that in previous podcasts, but. But I think Norwegian is in a very nice position where they could potentially become uh, the sort of the king of the Nordics. And and a few other things to remember here uh, is uh, so so Ryanair, EasyJet, never really that big in the Nordic region. They they do have right. routes, but it's they've always prioritized. You know, let's go to Italy and beat up on Alitalia. Let's <laughs> go to Spain and grab all that leisure travel. Well, and and for good reason. If you think for about you know, I I looked at the Nordics, uh, Denmark, Norway, and Sweden have twenty two million people combined. I mean, admittedly, it's twenty two million high income, you know, relatively high income countries. But Italy, the population of Italy alone is. Um, 
All right. Uh, 59 million. Spain yeah. is up there as well. Like if you're a discounter and you want to go grab a massive market, you aren't going to go to the Nordics. You're going to go to a country that has, yeah, it's Spain, 47 million. These massive, these massive markets that are also extremely popular with Europeans around the, around the continent. Um, and we saw that what Ryanair pulled back from uh, their own, they, they, was, did they launch Sweden, domestic Sweden operations they pulled back uh, last year or? Yeah, it sounds familiar. I think they've tried. I, mean, I think over the years, these carriers have gone in and out of, of, of these markets. They, but they've never, never, you know, Ryanair, and S, EasyJet, Wizz Air. I mean, Wizz Air was once very early on. They were big in Norway. Um, a lot of things. There's a lot of Eastern European or Eastern European migrants that that maybe work uh, work in the Nordics, and they were trying to cater that market. I think they had a base in Oslo for a while, but I don't, I don't believe they they do much of that anymore. It's, um, yeah, the 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 action for these European low-cost carriers tends to be in Southern Europe or, or you know, flying from the, the big origin markets like London um, and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, back to Widero. Now, of course, this deal, this Widero deal, we don't know for sure that it's going to be approved by the regulators. I, you know, I don't imagine that there'll be a huge problem, but, but you never know. You never know. Uh, That's right. Yeah, you never know with regulators that some of that's dependent on politics. You know, unions can get involved in, in, in that discussion. So we don't know. Uh, but if it does go through, uh, to me, it looks like a uh, very smart move for Norwegian. And not not only, by the way, do they uh, diversify their business uh, into, you know, you're getting more corporate travel, uh, which helps with seasonality because corporate travel tends to be, I mean, leisure travel tends to be more seasonal than corporate. Yes. But at the same time, it also, the other big uh, benefit here is that Wido brings you, it makes your frequent flyer plan more valuable. And Widero actually cooperates with SAS. Widero actually used to be owned by SAS. Yeah, they 2013. They, uh, uh, 2013, SAS sold them off. Yep. Yep, sold them off. And they still are part of the Europe, the SAS Euro bonus uh, program. And you wonder if that's changed. You know, now they'll be aligned with the Norwegian loyalty program. Uh, and that that could put another, you know, axe into, <laughs> into SAS's heart and... Uh, see if they can survive that blow as well. But Well, and we um, know, speaking of loyalty, I mean, we know that Norwegian, they've already said that investing in their loyalty program is a big part of their effort to capture more corporate travelers. Uh, and they've they've unveiled new tiers for North, North, Norwegian rewards. And just a few weeks ago, they unveiled a new partnership with Strawberry, a hotel ownership chain in Norway or the Nordic. So, you know, Norwegian is definitely investing a lot in their loyalty program and see that as a big um, differentiator versus SAS. Of course, the one thing Norwegian doesn't have is a global alliance partnership. So, but that's not to say that's not coming. Um, yeah, you wonder so. is that next? Yeah, no, speaking of loyalty, we should put a plug out for Skift as our, our colleague Asab Rizvi uh, just published a new report on airline loyalty programs. So go check that out. Uh, the um, They are very, very, very important and valuable. So you can see why Norwegian would want to build that up. And I think Widero helps a lot in that regard. So Jay, I have one question before you for you before we leave Norwegian and Widero alone. Do you think Norwegian could be gunning to buy SAS, or at least what's left of them out of bankruptcy? Well, that's a very, very interesting question. So, yeah, SAS seems to me like their only escape hatch is through some kind of sale to another airline. Um, there haven't seemed to be any 
airlines that have come along, you know, you the obvious ones were Lufthansa, Air France, KLM, or IG. They don't seem to be too interested. So yeah. perhaps Norwegian is getting to, I mean, you wouldn't, you know, if we were topping this conversation a year ago, we'd say, well, no, no, there's no way Norwegian has the the muscle to do that. You know, they just got out of bankruptcy. They've got to, but as they kind of get on sure footing, uh, you could see them getting into a position. I mean, obviously they're in a position now where they feel comfortable making this weirdo acquisition. So at some point, I think it's a very plausible scenario. And perhaps, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there have been phone conversations already, you know, Norwegian CEO calling up SAS CEO, hey, uh, let's talk kind of thing. And they could be talking as we speak because that would... I mean, it makes logically just makes a lot of sense. You create a Nordic champion, you know, one large airline for the whole region. Uh, and, um, you know, the, a lot of when whenever it comes to mergers, acquisitions, there's a lot of potential barriers. But uh, I, I think it's a possibility. Yeah, no, I do, too. Uh, all the reasons that you just mentioned, Jay. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some barriers, not least the state ownerships by Norway, Sweden, Denmark and SAS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, SAS is strong labor unions. But hey, that's what bankruptcy helps with. The Chapter 11 process makes acquisitions uh, much easier than they otherwise are. So that's the <laughs> time to do it. Yep. If you want to buy an airline, you want to do it in bankruptcy because you can you have the flexibility to, uh, yeah, to jig around with your contracts and just much, much more flexibility there. Now, you know, does does Weider, sorry, does Norwegian wanna digest that unwieldy network? I don't know. You know, do they do they really want those three hubs and do they want A330s and A350s? And maybe not. Maybe not. But, exactly. Uh, there's there's a lot of yeah. <laughs> there there are issues with that. Maybe Norwegian just sees the opportunity to continue growing as it is and SAS withers, you know, who knows, but and that a... could ultimately that, that could ultimately be the best situation for Norwegian if they if SAS just dies. And I'm not I don't mean to write their obituary just yet. I mean, I'm not. So but but there is, you know, it's it's not looking it's not looking very, very promising for, for SAS's future. So that may be, you know, Norwegian's best best play here. Maybe just, you know, let, let just wait and see if it dies. Exactly. With that, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about the latest in the JetBlue American Airlines Spirit Airlines Merger Alliance saga. And we're back. As promised, we are back in the U.S. heading to the Northeast this time. And the news this week, late on Wednesday, July 5th, was that JetBlue will not appeal a judge's ruling that it must end its alliance with American and is beginning the to unwind the partnership that has actually seen both airlines grow significantly in the Northeast. Jay, thoughts? Yeah, and I, I haven't, I saw this news broke yesterday, right? Was it yesterday? That came it was out? after markets closed on the 5th. So yeah, it's it's very new. Yeah, very new. And, and uh, yeah, just so we should always say that we're, we're speaking now on Thursday uh, afternoon, July 6th. Uh, so yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen Jet, JetBlue's statement. Um, obviously, they feel that uh, either it's not worth the time and the money and the effort to, to fight this, or they just think they have a losing case. And they're kind of resigned to just okay, let's let's focus on the spirit takeover. That's that's where the real, you know, that's where our real priority is. Yes. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that that makes sense. 
It's it's interesting because one of the curious things is American Airlines came out right after JetBlue and said they actually intend to continue with their appeal of the judge's ruling in that case. And and that sort of surprised me a little bit because, you know, they acknowledge that they are working with JetBlue to unwind the alliance and there is a procedure for that laid out in their alliance agreement. So that's underway. But, you know, I've been trying to think about what American gains by continuing with their appeal. And, you know, the best guess I have is if they can win their appeal, they could form a similar alliance in the future with another airline. But it's it's um, it's not going to be with JetBlue because clearly JetBlue, if they get Spirit, it's going to be a lot. I don't know. It's it, it it's a curious move on Americans' part. I'm sure there are good legal reasons that I'm not thinking of at the moment, though. Yeah, that's possible. And and again, I I, I I'm just totally speculating here because I haven't seen you know, like I said, I didn't read the reasoning here. But I mean, unless JetBlue is thinking, okay, let American do the legal work. If they do, you know, if 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 they do wind up uh, winning that case. Uh, and then, then they can go back and, and, you know, re- regroup and for, do, do some, continue to do something with American. Uh, maybe they just want to, fo- you know, out, allocate all of their legal resources right now on the, their own legal resources. Well, on this you, you, remind, you remind me the, in the judge's ruling in May, uh, what he mentioned that, uh, the American airlines, Alaska airlines code share, which is not alliance. They don't have revenue sharing and coordination as, as American and JetBlue did, that is legal under antitrust law. So maybe American wants to to do something like that with JetBlue after this merger goes through, form a code share with JetBlue uh, that where they aren't coordinating and they aren't leasing slots back and forth at some of the major New York airports and stuff. That, that right, definitely more, could be on the table. More of an Alaska type arrangement like they have with Alaska. Yeah, that, that's, that could be. I think exactly. We'll see it all plays out. Uh, yeah, and I guess, um, do we have is do we have a date for the... Uh, the trial on Spirit JetBlue is that it's October? in October. I, I forget October. the exact day, and mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm going to be watching that closely because I, I when the DOJ came out and sued to block the merger, you know I, I went to a press conference and they said you know it was asked that if uh, if the NEA was was gone, would they approve the merger? And and they said no. They still thought that it was anti-competitive and that they would block it even without the NEA. I mean, the NEA is a concern, but it's so it's interesting. The The lawsuit definitely focused on the elimination of a competitor from the marketplace, i.e. Spirit would be eliminated by JetBlue merging with them. And that is a lot of what the judge talked about in the American JetBlue ruling is that by coordinating, the airlines basically reduced or moved a competitor from the market. So I see parallels. I don't know if this really helps JetBlue in in the case uh, in in the DOJ's case against Spirit. I would tend to think that it might a little, but I think they're still going to have some high hurdles to to fight in court to get their merger through. Yeah, I mean they'll yeah they'll, the, uh, the the DOJ will certainly fight aggressively unless uh, you know a lot of these cases end in uh, an out of court settlement before the before it actually goes to trial. I believe that's what happened with the U.S. Airways American merger back yes. in 2013 or whenever it was. It's which but we have a very different Justice Department today than we did in 2013. And yeah, it does make yeah. me wonder, and, and this Justice Department seems much more willing to go to court, uh, especially now that they have an example of going to court and winning. So that might give them more reason to to let it go to trial rather than, than accept the settlement. I don't know. Yeah, it is very aggressive. Yeah, the 2013 Justice Department was 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 they had a I remember there's a guy was named William Bear. I can't remember. He was 
he was rather aggressive too in the Obama administration um, in terms of uh, antitrust policy. And I think they just got enough concessions from from the two airlines where they're like, wait, we're going to let it happen, but you got to give up this, give up that. Um, and I think you're right that it's even more aggressive today. Um, I think there's this kind of sense that it, within the administration and among many economists that the uh, a lot of industries have become overconsolidated. So there's there's you know that philosophical angle. Um, so maybe they won't settle. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, but but uh, it's it's we'll probably you know get an answer before too long because here we are in the summer and the trial's just a couple months away. Oh, absolutely. I think we'll we'll know if they're going to settle or if they go to court uh, within. Yeah, it's uh, like you said, it's only a few short months away, scarily, considering everything, how quickly time flies. Uh, but yeah, we'll find out. But it's a uh, it's an interesting move. I'm also curious on how the unwinding goes, because if you recall, JetBlue is leased. Uh, I want to say over 100 slots from American at JFK and LaGuardia. Um, those will have to go back to American um, unless they reach new agreement for JetBlue to pay American for those slots. Um, they divested slots at Washington National, which were awarded to Southwest just recently. I mean, those slots are going to come back, so Southwest is going to have to cancel some flights. I mean, none of this is expected to happen in the summer before Labor Day, which is the, the symbolic end of the summer in the U.S., but... I mean, it's probably all going to happen before the end of the year, especially because the judge in the case has said he expects the unwinding to happen in less than 90 days. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another, a related question. I mean, if you think about from Americans' perspective, perspective, they've tailored a lot of their Eastern network strategy under the assumption that this JetBlue venture was going to be ongoing. And one of the things they've done is downscale Philadelphia a lot because yep. a lot of that traffic was pumped through New York, where JetBlue could offer them more help. But now that this JetBlue thing, you know, assuming it does go away forever, uh, it, do they, you know, light a fire under Philadelphia again and start, start growing that? It's hard to say, but um, it's just, just another goes, goes to your question of, you know, what are the implications of this unraveling? Yep. I mean, and those are all things that we're going to have to watch and see in the coming months as uh as this comes, you know, moves forward. But like I said, the timeline I think is going to be fairly aggressive. So we're going to see it play out very, you know, in short, short order. But you know, travelers don't be, don't fear. Your flights for Labor Day will likely be unaffected. Fall travel, different story though. Yeah, yeah, it could be, could be a di different industry. Industry come, uh, come the fall, we may have one, one fewer airline, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what that does for fares and, and whatnot. But, we'll see. Uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll have the popcorn ready. <laughs> you and I both. With that, we'll leave it there. Listeners, if you'd like to reach out to me, you can reach me at er at skift.com. You can reach out to Jay at js at skift.com. Jay, it's always a pleasure. Likewise, Ned, and thanks everyone for listening. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out AirlineWeekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.